I love the atmosphere that's been set in this house, and I believe it's, uh, it's, it's been set by much prayer and much worship, and I believe God's got a word for us here today. Amen. Uh, if you notice that strapping young gentleman in the back, Brother Andrew Rodriguez, he has come out this weekend to help us to improve our sound. We've been doing the best we can, but he's just kind of helping get things situated. And so I want to say a great big thank you to Brother Andrew Rodriguez. Let's give him a hand. Amen. It already is sounded great. I also want to thank Brother Worley and Brother Brenson Worley for coming out here. Let's give them a hand. They've spent hours and hours and hours helping, um, you know, get that where it needs to be. And I also want to say thank you to all of our singers and musicians. They showed up here this morning around 9 a.m. to make sure that they got things dialed in. And so, uh, you know, all, all good things take a lot, of, uh, a lot of work and a lot of investment of time, energy, and money. And I just want to tell you, it does not go unnoticed. Amen? 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. Second Kings chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass that when the minstrel played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, You shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. You're going to do something but you're not going to feel anything. Not going to feel the wind on you. And you're not going to see anything. You're not going to see the rain coming down. Yet, everybody say yet. That valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. And he will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And you shall smite every fenced city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop all the wells of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning, that when the meat offering was offered, that behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Amen. He said, make this valley full of ditches, you will not see rain. You will not feel the wind. But this valley shall be filled with water. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Miracle preppers. Miracle preppers. Would you set down your Bibles and would you lift up your hands as we pray all across this house? Come on, somebody needs to prepare for their miracle this afternoon. Amen. Would you lift up your voice? We have prayed. We have praised. But right now, I want you to say, God, I'm getting ready. I'm preparing some things in my mind and in my heart for the miraculous that you want to bring to pass in my life. Come on. That's it. I feel faith rising in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I am preparing for my miracle. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. As your seat, I want to say it's so good to have Brother Jim Honaker and Sister Kathy in the house of the Lord with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Spent many years in Fallon, and so, so good to see them here today. 
Amen. Miracle preppers. During his reign, David defeated and subdued the Moabites. Amen. Defeated and, and slayed the Moabites. But years later in our text, we see the Moabites have rebelled against the authority of Israel. This enemy that they had already defeated at one point came back with a vengeance. Not only did they rebel, but they are now stronger than they have ever been. Where it only took Israel at one point, it now is taking them Judah, Israel, and they've got outside help of the nation of Edom trying to subdue this enemy. On their way to this difficult battle, they came and they were trying to figure out the best route. They were trying their best to plan what would be the best direction to go. And there really was no good options. And so they decided to take the route through the desert of Edom. They didn't know how dry that route was going to be. They could not plan in advance for how difficult that that route was going to end up. But it only took them a few days to recognize there is no water in this desert. It only took a couple days of drinking what rations of water they had left until the very last drop was out of their canteens that they realized we were in a really bad place. We don't want to be without water, let alone in a desert, in a dry place, in the time of drought. Amen. And after seven days of rationing water and realizing they were coming down to their very last drop, they started to realize the severity of their situation. There was no water to be found. And the king asked, amen, the king of Judah asked, amen, the king of Israel. He said, is there not a prophet from God that we can go to? that we can ask for him to pray and to get a miracle from God. Amen. I want to tell you, dry places are hard. They are difficult. But there's nothing like having a good friend that when th things get tough and things get dry, they know what to do and they know where to go. You need some friends in your life like that, that when things get dry in your life, they say, where's the church house? Where's a place where we can pray? You don't need people to commiserate with you in your suffering. You need people that start looking for a solution and start looking for a way for you to get out of the mess. Oh, we ought to give God praise. Thank God for people like that. And Elisha appeared. But I want you to notice something. He did not bring a miracle in his suitcase. Amen. So many people think. When the, when the prophet gets there, he's just going to show up and wave his hand. That's what Naaman thought. He thought the preacher's going to come out and wave his hand and everything's going to change. Amen. He did not bring a miracle in his suitcase. He did not perform a miracle right away. He started the process of the miraculous when he said to them, bring me a minstrel. Bring me a musician. Sometimes, amen, and I've talked about it a little bit before, but sometimes if you need a word from God, you've got to set the right atmosphere for that word to come forth. Hallelujah. 
I want to tell you, if you need an answer from God, a miracle from God, uh, amen, you've got to, there's some times where you just got to set the right atmosphere. You've got to worship in such a way where that word is guaranteed to come. That worship may not change your circumstance, but it will change your perspective on your circumstance. That worship may not change, amen, what's going on on the outside, but it'll change what's going on on the inside. Do I have a witness? Hallelujah. That in the midst of the trial, you learn to lift your hands. That in the midst of the dry place, you learn to praise God. And it didn't change external things right away, but it started changing my perspective. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you got you got to set the right atmosphere. You've got to change, amen, your actions in order to get the right word. Too many people get into desperate situations and they want to complain because that's human. And uh, I'm not preaching that as if I haven't done it and I don't do it from time to time. Amen. Everybody in this building knows what it is to get in a tough spot and to complain about that tough spot. But, you know, after you get done with all the complaining and all the moaning and groaning and all of the griping, you know, you're no different and you know better after it. Can I get a witness for somebody? Have you ever felt better after complaining? I haven't. I've never, I've never complained and anything changed in my life. I've never complained and, and, and had a new, fresh perspective. Amen. But I want to tell you, amen, there are some people that, that, that are like the prophet. He understood that you can complain and God may not answer you. He will hear you, but he may not respond to your complaint. But can I preach to somebody? God may not respond to your complaints, but he always responds to your worship. Complaining has never changed anything or anybody, but I've seen it time and time again in my own life, from my own encounter, from my own experience, and in the encounter and experience of other people, that when they began to praise, they got the attention from heaven that they never would have had while complaining. Do I have a witness in the house of the Lord? He understood that God may not respond to your complaints, but he will respond to your worship. And when they got the minstrel and when they got the music going and when they got the worship going, it started preparing the atmosphere for the word of God to come. And when God's word came, it gave them the answer, maybe not the answer they wanted, but it gave them the answer they needed. Amen. I want to tell you, how God does something is not a problem. Hallelujah. So many people get caught up in God's methods. I want to tell you, it's not, it doesn't matter what God's method, method should be as long as the outcome is what you're looking for. Sometimes he will lay hands on the blind man and the blind man gets healed. Sometimes he's got to lay hands on the blind man two times to get the blind man healed. And sometimes he's got to spit in some dirt, make some mud, put it on his eyes. But it doesn't matter because when you come back seeing, you don't care what methods he used as long as you got the result. Amen. This, this prophet said we're going to have to worship so we can change the atmosphere and prepare so that we can receive this word. And when they got there, amen, he told them that if they're wanting a miracle, they need to prepare for it. Amen. I, how many here wants a miracle? 
Everybody in this building, you're praying for something, then I'm preaching to the right people today. If you ain't praying for nothing, you can just go home. But I'm preaching to people that are looking for a miracle. And you know what we want? We want a miracle that just shows up. Amen. We, we want the miracle to show up in a miraculous way. We want the answer to show up in a miraculous way. We want the, we want the answer that God gives to have as much glitz and glamour as we expect the outcome to be. But I've seen through my Bible time and time again that God will bring a word that seems, uh, amen, contradictory. It seems like a word that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it's like Naaman saying, are not all the other rivers cleaner than the river Jordan? But it didn't matter how the method looked. Uh, all that mattered was that he obeyed the message that was given. And if he obeyed the message, he got the result. And if he obeyed what the man of God said, he got what he was looking for. He told him, if you want a miracle, you're going to have to prepare for it. He told him, you're going to have to dig holes in the desert. They had to prepare for the miracle that God was going to bring them. They had to excavate for their miracle. They had to make room for their miracle. There had to be some effort on their part. Can I tell somebody, sometimes in order to get a miracle, there has to be some effort on our part. Let me just tell you this. God can do anything, but God will not do everything. Hallelujah. I may say it for somebody in the cheap seats. God can do anything, but God will not do everything. Can I preach to somebody? Some, some miracles require preparation on our part. Some miracles take a little effort on our part. But the question is, how bad do you want? Hallelujah. How bad do you want the miracle? How bad do you want the breakthrough? How bad do you want the revival? How bad do you want the blessing? How bad do you want to pray back that want them to pray back through? How bad do you need that to come through in your life? How bad do you need the healing? I want to tell you some miracles take preparation on our part. Oh, somebody ought to lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. You want a miracle, you can have a miracle today. Amen. But it's going to take sometimes some effort on our part. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Preparation is necessary for success in this life. Amen. God works through human agency. Amen. I want to tell you, human effort is necessary. Amen. If God, if God did everything, there would be no need for us. God put us on this earth so that we can engage in things and we can activate our faith in things. Amen. Often God will, God will bring certain things into our life and he's giving us an opportunity, amen, to trust him. This is like when they, they told Jesus that there's 5,000 and we don't have anything to feed them with. And he said, is there any food? Jesus was already tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread. He had the power. He had the ability to do it all by himself. But it wasn't about doing it all by himself. He wanted to know, is there anybody in this crowd that will trust me, that will work with me, and get involved in the miracle? Is there anybody that showed up having something prepared? He didn't say you have to have a lot prepared. But did you bring something with you? I want to know, has anybody come to church that needs a miracle? You came prepared today. You came prepared. It may not look like much, but I got a little praise. I got a little prayer. I got a little faith. It's enough. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. 
Preparation is necessary in this life. Every day, thousands of airplanes take off and land safely because of preparation. Thank God for preparation. Men have walked on the moon because somebody prepared. Great institutions and infrastructures operate smoothly day after day, uh, helping the billions of people on this earth, all because of preparation. Can I preach to somebody a little bit about this word? Preparation is the supreme act of faith. Nothing says, I believe God more than preparing for it to come to pass. <laughs> preparation, if I could preach it this way, preparation is faith in action. In Genesis, Pharaoh got a dream, and he called for Joseph, and Joseph interpreted that dream. Amen. But we know he believed the interpretation because his response was, I'm going to take the seven years of plenty, and I'm going to start doing some preparing for the seven years he said is going to come. Hebrews 11 tells us about Noah, that he was moved with fear, and he prepared an ark to the saving of his household. He heard that God was going to flood the earth, but we know he believed God because his response was, I'm going to prepare an ark that's going to save my family. In 2 Kings, there was a widow woman in debt, but the prophet told her to grab the little cruise of oil and to get some vessels, and she's going to pay off all of her debts. And we know she believed that prophet's words because her response was she went out to all of her neighbors and grabbed every vessel that she could find. What was she doing? She was preparing for the miraculous. She was preparing for the blessing. I come to preach to somebody, uh, you, you can't just sit back uh, and wait, wait for God to do everything. Uh, sometimes uh, you got to come with the faith that says, I don't just believe God in my mind. I don't just believe God in my heart, uh, but I'm going to believe God in my actions. I'm going to believe God. I wonder, are there any miracle prepping people in the house of the Lord uh, that you've got a response ready uh, for when he says yes, uh, that you've got a praise ready for when he finally comes through, that you... Is there anybody that's making preparations right now for the rain to fall, for the oil to flow, for the, for the famine to come, and you're preparing in advance? Heard a story a long time ago about an about a village that was in a severe drought. And they decided that they were all going to gather together, the entire village, that night, and they were going to pray for rain. Everybody gathered at the appropriate time. Everybody gathered at the appropriate place with the intention to pray for rain, to pray for a miracle. But in the midst of this prayerful crowd, only one little girl brought an umbrella. I wonder, are there any folks that you're praying for rain? Amen. I want to know, did you bring your umbrella here today? They all said, we got faith, we believe God, but, but only one person brought an umbrella to say, in case it rains, I don't want to get too wet.
Somebody ought to give him praise. You ought to prepare for the miracle. Did you come to church with your umbrella? If it rains and I get revival, I'm ready for it. If it rains and I get a blessing, I'm ready for it. Somebody ought to give him praise. Come on, somebody ought to give him praise here today. I've come with an umbrella in my hand. I've come prepared. I'm ready to see it rain. I believe it's going to rain, but my faith is in action. My Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody lift up your hands all across this building. Did you come with... Did you come prepared? Come on, did you come prepared? Come on, are your pockets open for God to bless those pockets? Uh, come on, is your heart open for God to bless your heart? Uh, come on, are your ears open so God can give you a word? Uh, have you made proper preparations? <laughs> Hallelujah. These people were told to prepare. They were told to prepare. But they were also told they would not see anything. They would not feel anything. Can I preach to people that are like me? <laughs> There's a lot of people that are willing to prepare if they know they're going to see results. Hallelujah. I'll preach, to, I'll preach in the mirror. They are willing to prepare. Amen. When they, when they can see progress happening. But I want to know, are there any people that have enough faith to endure the frustration called preparation? I'm talking about the frustration that comes with preparation. That you are preparing, but you don't see nothing. You're preparing, but you don't feel nothing. You're preparing, but God hasn't spoken a while. You're preparing, but the door hasn't opened. You're are there any people that got enough faith to say, I will dig when I see nothing. I will dig when I feel nothing. I will pray when I see nothing. I will pray when I feel nothing. I will worship when I see nothing. I will worship when. Come on. Even when I don't see it, I believe enough that he's working. I brought my umbrella to church. I. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. I may not see it. I may not feel it. But there shall be water in my dry place. Somebody ought to give him praise. Somebody ought to give him praise. I'm a miracle prepper. I'm not preparing for doomsday. I'm not preparing for the worst. I'm preparing for the best. I'm I'm not preparing for it to fall apart. I'm preparing for God to come through. I'm I'm not preparing for it to not answer and not work. I'm preparing for God to part waters. I'm preparing for God to bring miracles. Somebody ought to give him praise. Somebody ought to give him praise. I'm not waiting to see it. Let me tell you, if you want to be a mature Christian, you got to get out of your feelings. One sign of immaturity in people is how they handle their feelings. Do your feelings drive you every way, every which way? If that's how it is, then you might be an immature person. And if your feelings are the only thing that gets you up in the morning and puts you to sleep at night, you're an immature individual. But I got good news for you. There's an opportunity called preparation. 
I don't know how I'm going to feel tomorrow, but I can prepare today for what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know if today's a good day or a bad day, but I've already prepared a response. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next week holds, but I've got something prepared in my spirit. I will bless the Lord at all times. In good times, I'm prepared. In bad times, I'm prepared. When I'm happy, I'm prepared. When I'm sad, I'm prepared. I'm not waiting for a good day to have a response. I've got my response today. If you are waiting to feel God before God moves, you may never feel God. Because my Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Well, when he moves, then I'll praise him. Brother, he ain't coming by. Bartimaeus, I'll wait until he comes to me. No, you got to shout where you are. You want him to get to where you are, you got to stop him on the way. He'll pass by, but if you want him to come by, you're going to have to do something. We are living in a generation that likes to see things immediately. Instantly, instantly, instantly. If you don't respond to a text in 30 seconds, they think that you're, you ghosted them. I want to tell you, there's a danger in impatience. Church, we can't get impatient. There is a biblical, there is a biblical problem with impatience. When they say, my Lord delays his coming. You start living differently when you think the Lord delays his coming. You start acting differently. Well, I don't need to be at church today. Not a big deal. The Lord won't come back for another 3,000 years. I'm cool. I want to tell you, when you live like he's delaying his coming, uh, and when you live with that, with that, that idea of impatience where I'm just going to do what I want to do, and I want to do it right now, and since he hadn't showed up, uh, and he didn't show up in my time frame, that it's not going to work out, so I might as well give up all of my faith. I want to tell you, you're in your feelings, but you got to come out of feelings, and you got to step into the faith called preparation. Preparation does not mean I'm going to wait for God to show me first. If he shows me, then I'll believe. Hello, Thomas. I want to tell you what preparation is. I believe you enough to start operating and acting on what you told me. Abraham, you're going to have a son. Well, it's not going to happen for 25 years. He didn't get that part of the story. But you know what he did? He started getting up, gathering all his stuff, selling all his possessions, and going out into the unknown land. Can I help somebody here today? We need to reframe our concept of waiting. We, we, we can't be waiting. Let me just say something. Stop waiting. Start practicing preparation. I'm not waiting. I am preparing. I like what one of my preacher friends told me. He used to tell me downtime is prep time. You, you know what? There is no such thing as downtime. There is no such thing as downtime. There's always something to be done. There is never a reason to be idle. You are either preparing or you are resting or you... Or you are preparing or you are resting or you are preparing or you are resting... But if you are idle when you should be preparing, I want to tell you, that's not waiting. The right waiting is I'm preparing for the time that he comes through. 
Preparation is not about seeing the results during the process. Preparation is about making sure the results will be seen when the process is finished. Can I get everybody off of results-driven life? I want to tell you, if you will get the input, you will have the outcome. One plus one is, you got to get the equation right, brother. Hallelujah. If you will focus on the equation, you'll get the right answer. In math, they used to tell us, show your work. Show your work. I want to tell somebody here today that said, well, I'm just waiting on God. And they whistling up at the clouds. No, 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 that's called being idle. Brother, if you really believe God's going to do what he told you he's going to do, well, I believe God called me in the ministry, but I haven't read my Bible in six months. You don't really believe it. You know, I don't say this to brag, but right now i got 895 unfinished messages. Amen. And I didn't start them last week, and I didn't start them five years ago when I started pastoring. I didn't start them eight years ago. I'll tell you what I've been doing. Amen. For the last 15 years. Amen. For 15 years that I felt called of God, I started writing stuff down. Why? Because I didn't want to wait for the door to open and not be ready. Can I preach to somebody? There's nothing worse than the door opening that you're not ready for. There's nothing worse than the job opening for and you're not qualified. There's nothing worse than the right person showing up, but you're not ready to get married. you got to prepare, brother. you got to prepare, sister. you got to get there and prepare yourself for the things God has for you. Prepare yourself for what God wants to do. Would you stand across the building and lift up your hands as the musicians come in Jesus' name? Come on, what would happen today if God opened the door? If God answered your prayers, would you be prepared to receive it right now? Or could it be God's given you a little more time to prepare yourself to receive the miracle you've been praying for? Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. I feel the Holy Ghost. There's some folks in the house of the Lord. You want God to do some things in your life. You need God to do some things in your life. I've just come to preach to you. Start preparing yourself as if it's already done. Start living your life in a way it's already done. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. There's some people preparing for miracles today. You came to church, you went in the prayer room, why? You were preparing for a word. You worship God, why? You were preparing for a word. Huh? You, you come to the altar today because you're preparing for God to answer. Feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, what are you preparing? If it happened right now, are you prepared? If the miracle happened right now, are you prepared? If the blessing came into your life, do you even know how to handle that amount of money? Amen. If the spouse walked in today, are you even ready to get married? Are you prepared? I want to tell you, it's God's job to come up with the plan. Let, let me just preach this real quick. It is God's job to come up with the plan. It is our job to prepare. I know the plans I have for you. You don't know the plans he has for you. He knows. 
while we flip and flop, God, I'm going to tell you what I plan to do, and then you make it happen. Brother, that's backwards. That's backwards. Okay, God, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually let you build the ark, and I'm going to start dumping water on the ground. No, 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 no. You build the boat. You build the boat. You preach to your, your nation. You preach to your generation. You preach to your family. You get them on the boat. You do the preparation, and you let God be the one to close the door. You know, we got people in this house here today. We got doomsday preppers. A pessimist in the house of the Lord. Worst case scenario preppers. They could tell you every way it's going to go wrong. I know there's some folks you got to plan for every way it could go wrong. But I want to know, are there any people that are willing to say, I want to become a miracle prepper? Do you have a praise prepared for when it goes right? I got a question. Are you ready for what you pray for? Just between you and Jesus. Are you ready? God, I want money. Are you ready? How do you handle the money you have right now? I know, I, I know, Pastor, just be done. Just be done. Just be done. No, I, this is where it's practical. Well, God, I need, I need you to come through financially. And God says, what are you doing right now? Because money's going to only magnify more of what you are. It doesn't make you. If you are broke without money, you'll be broke with money. Your bills will just be bigger with more zeros. And the decimal point's on the wrong side. It has more commas, but it has more bills. You got to start preparing right now with the 10 bucks you got. Can I preach it how I've lived it? Every time I've been in a financial strain, I always go over and I look and say, God, where am I messing up in my preparation? And I look through, and if I'm doing things right, you know what I do? I start saying, God, this is just me. I can't say this for you. I started giving based on where I wanted to be, not where I was. I wanted to get used to writing the check where I was going, not where I was. And I've come to preach to somebody, it works. You do whatever you want to do, but you can't take that from me. I, I know that works because I realize something about faith. If I will start preparing, God will start doing it. There's some folks in the house of the Lord, you want to get married? You got to stop acting like girlfriend if you want to be wife. Well, praise God. If you act like girlfriend, God, the spirit of girlfriend, you will always be girlfriend. But the Bible says he that finds a wife. That doesn't mean you're married yet. That just means you're acting like a wife. You're thinking like a wife. You're doing things. Let me preach to the men. If you want to get a wife, you're going to start having to act like a husband. You're going to have to start doing, well, I'm not just playing games and doing dumb things. I'm preparing myself so that it's not a step up. It's a step out. This is already who I am. For those that feel like God's calling them, don't wait until a phone call comes. Don't wait until somebody knows your name or you got a picture on a flyer brother start preparing in the prayer room start preparing on a bible study chart start preparing when nobody's looking let's lift up our hands I got a lot more we could say but I'm, I'm done feel the Holy Ghost somebody, somebody just God's telling you if you'll prepare for it I'll do it come on You've been praying for it, but have you prepared for it? You've been asking for it, but have you prepared to receive it? You have you have begged for it, but have you prepared yourself? Come on, somebody pray right now in the Holy Ghost.
Come on, I'm done preaching right here. But somebody needs to pray through all the way to where it comes. God, I need to figure out what it takes to put my faith into action. Come on, there's some mothers and fathers. You are praying for God to bring your kids home. But what are you doing to prepare for it? The prodigal's father was on that rocking chair not waiting. He was feeding the fatted calf. He was getting a celebration ready. I want to preach to somebody, if you want your kids to come home, why don't you buy your son a tie? Why don't you buy your daughter a dress? Why don't you say, God, I'm preparing a seat for them? Why don't you save them a seat and put their name on it? Why don't you come to the altar and say this is where they're going to pray through and start making preparations for it to happen. Would you come down to the front? Somebody needs to come pray. Come on. Come on. Somebody needs to come pray. Right now, while I've been preaching, God has been speaking to you about actionable things you can do, things you can enact your faith right now and you can pray about. And when you get home, you can start working on Come on, that's it. I want to prepare. Come on, are you prepared to receive a miracle? Are you prepared to receive a miracle? What would you do right now if God gave you everything you prayed for? What would you do right now if he said yes to your prayer request? Would you be ready for it? And if not, get ready. Get ready. Start preparing. Somebody pray right now. Come on, God's faithful, but sometimes He wants us to find out, find out if we're faithful. Come on, what would happen if He said yes today? What would happen if He healed you today? Do you got a praise prepared? Come on, are you ready? Jesus, it's Come on, Mama. Come on, Dad. Can you visualize them coming home? Can you visualize them praying through? Can you visualize them singing again? Can you visualize them being used of God? Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. All the glory to the only one who can. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you.
You tell me he can do it. You tell.